It is that is that is only for me. But. Bam, we're live. Ezra, what's up? Good morning. Hey guys, how's it going? Good morning. Uh, uh, when I, originally when I had you on, first you, you popped on my radar because my buddy here, Brian Friend, you see him over there with the baseball hat on. Uh, my buddy Brian Friend is pretty into frisbee golf, and he knows that I like frisbee. I'm like a beach uh, a beach frisbee guy, you know, with the 175 That's... gram discraft, um, and you know, Miller High Life and a joint and a pack of cigarettes. Early, was... early plug for Discraft. He likes yeah. you already. Oh God, I love Discraft. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. I don't even understand how anyone else is even in the game. Innova, it's funny watching. Um, anyway, don't get me sidetracked here. Hold on. Um, and uh, I, he, so he, we started watching. Um, he's like, hey, dude, you should ch- ch- check out Frisbee Golf, Disc Golf. So I start watching it and I start watching it every weekend with him. And then he comes on the podcast and we talk about it. And then all the callers kind of make fun of us, right? We got this whole live chat that makes fun of us because we're into disc golf. And I'm like, there's, there's one dude that's yoked that wears his clothes too tight. And why am I, why am I fascinated with that fucking guy? And Heck obviously yeah. because we're in the CrossFit space. And so I start obsessing on you and I start getting in your DMS. And then I tell Brian, I'm like, Hey dude, I got Ezra Aderhold. I said it right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Aderhold. You were Aderhold until I started doing research on you. Now I know. Yep. That's what I it is for, for a lot of people. So thanks for getting it right. And what kind of name is that? Gentleman, I think. Is, the, is that or Russian, maybe? Are, are your parents born in this country? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got you got a little uh, hint of like foreigner in you a little bit. Where where were they born? Were you, were they Amish or were they born on a commune or, or were they hippies? No, they uh, South just you South got Dakota. Off with you a little bit. You got something a little like quirky hippie. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's just a speech impediment. So buff, a lot of people buff, think oh, it's like really? an accent. Buff, buff hippie with speech impediment. Yeah. Yeah. With incredible so, arm. Incredible. All right. Yeah. All right, fair. but were your parents hippies? Um, not. I wouldn't say hippies. Um, I think they they grew up in like a pretty normal like lifestyle, and then after they got married, they kind of did research and uh, then started kind of adopting the vegan lifestyle. So I wouldn't say like full hippie, but they adopted like the health side of of the kind of that lifestyle, I suppose. Um, if you, I, I know you get your blood work done, and I want to tell you right away that my biggest sponsor is a company called California Hormones. Mm. They give you free blood work for you, especially because you've been on the oh. podcast. If you're ever in Southern California and Newport Beach, Sweet. bring you into Heck the facility. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I don't know if you're if you're um, uh, if your sport tests, but they will also offer testosterone replacement therapy, so you can get a little more in your you know in your swing, and they offer peptide. <laughs> They don't. And, they don't test, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel too comfortable doing, going going that route. All right, all right, fine, fine. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. But but me neither. And and then and then I also want to offer. Do you know about these? Uh, oh my god! I don't. Those are my. Those are my we'll feet. I know. I know they look like bird feet. Those are my feet. You know I've not heard of those. I don't think. Uh, maybe, maybe I've seen an ad or something. I don't know. Toe spacers. Yeah, what's this that, is what's what they look point? like when they're not on someone's foot. Oh yeah. Okay, there we go. I, I I would like to. How do people mail you stuff since you're always on the road? Well, we've been doing Airbnbs, so sometimes if we time it right, I can get stuff sent that way. Um, and then also, I guess I'll be back home in like a month, so sending stuff to my house would well, like my, you know, residential address location would work as well. Okay, I'd like to send you a pair of toe spacers. All right, I'll try them out. 
Yeah, I don't want him to fuck up your game, but I, but but I personally like him. Do you think they would mess up his game, Brian? No, not at all. Okay, good. All right. What's I, the I, uh, what's the benefits? Trying to find the, the idea is that you know, as uh, in the Western world, we spend so much time with our feet in shoes, and so they you know they're like this, and the feet are meant to be you know able to manipulate each individual toe and spread them out. And so this is just a thing that you can do kind of at the end of a day or while you know, you're doing computer work or watching TV or, you know, whatever things that you do and spend some time with your feet spread out so that it gives a chance for the body to learn that movement pattern as well. Hmm. Basically, your feet are trapped in shoes all day. Let them free. Yeah. I figured okay. a hippie like you would appreciate that. Physically conscious buff hippie. Like I'm, I'm me, I'm you in 30 years. By the way, I'm the 51 year old version of you. Uh, 26, Jamie, La 26 years. Oh, you're 26. Okay, Jamie Latimer. Uh, did he have to use a strip club Wi-Fi? Are you parked? Because sometimes we have a guest who's on the road and they have to park in front of a strip club for Wi-Fi. Are you parked in front of a strip club? Uh, no, I'm in front of a Planet Fitness, but I'm just on my uh, on my data. So, have you worked out already? No. No, I just went and brushed my teeth and stuff. Oh, awesome. I, I walk out at night. I don't like to like walk out and then try to go disc golf. That that can be kind of difficult with lactic acid buildup and stiffness and stuff like that. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I heard you say basically, too, that and obviously that would be the point of not doing steroids. Steroids might actually shorten your throw, but basically that one of the benefits of working out is not necessarily to get more on your throw, but for injury prevention, and I kind of love that. Yeah. that's Honestly, I feel like that's probably like the main – benefits is just uh injury prevention and then there's probably some confidence you know that i can gain as well from having like being in shape um but i mean like a lot of the guys at the top don't have like you know super built physiques and they can still just rip the discs with their you know i guess their athleticism and their flexibility and, and you know that that side of the physicality um, you know what I was really fascinated by after watching a bunch of podcasts you were on, you were on, and then watching your YouTube channel is that basically you're a dude who's chasing your dream, and um, yeah, I spent years homeless, and then I spent years living in a car, and during that time I was the only person I knew who wasn't a drug addict, and mm -hmm. and now here's another dude, and it kind of is the misnomer about homelessness. Because here you are purposely choosing to be homeless so that you could fucking pursue your fucking dream. And it's brilliant. And it's what all young, capable men should be doing all over the planet. If you're a painter, you should be driving around in your Prius that's set up to cook beans to paint the Grand Canyon one day and the Empire State Building the next day. And if you want to be a professional athlete, you should be chasing the circuit. Or if someone wanted to be a ch professional videographer or photographer, they should be chasing you, chasing the circuit in their own car. And, uh, and I just want to tell you kudos to you for just like really showing what um, human beings are capable of and making life fun. Is, is your life fun? It looks so fun. I mean, it's definitely up and down. I think like probably anybody's life, you know, but the, I mean, I, I'm definitely blessed to be able to travel around and see a lot of cool places and compete and just play disc golf. You know, obviously it's walk at the same time. I have to, you know, actually put time into practicing and, you know, preparing and stuff like that. But it's really cool to see all the people on to all kind of just doing the same, doing the same thing, you know, on the playing side and then also on the videography side, just kind of, you know, like you said, kind of living in, living in vehicles and, you know, traveling around and pursuing that. And it's getting to a point too, where, you know, less and less people on to actually have to do that lifestyle. And like, like this, you know, this season I'm actually living in Airbnbs, 
which is a lot nicer than sleeping in a Prius, obviously. Um, and so it's cool to see the, the sport move in that direction as well. So you, by the way, this throw is, this is beautiful. This is, where is this? That is in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. God, it's beautiful. That was a fun, that was a fun spot. Are, are you playing a hole there or is it, just, is, is that a hole or are you just having fun? You're like, Hey guys, film this, watch this. Yeah. Just having fun. <laughs> that was, I think that was actually one of the days that might've been a Saturday. So like, I think I went and had a tournament round like right after this, but I kind of just zoomed in on the map. And I saw this little rev. I was like, oh, this looks like a cool spot to like throw a cost. So then my brother, who was uh, on tour with me last year, I was my caddy and film guy and stuff. We just went over and uh, threw some shots. And it was like the perfect distance to where I could actually cross the river. So we got a couple of different camera angles and he shot it all and found out pretty sweet. Okay. I think I saw pictures. I didn't realize that was your brother. He's a little shorter, but he's all buff too. Yeah. Yep. He's a little bit shorter, but he's probably pound for pound a little thicker than I am. So and he's not traveling with you this year, not this season. No, how come? Is he, is, uh, is he, he plays as well? He does not play. No, I mean, we started playing at the same time. So, my, my brothers and my dad kind of found disc golf at the same time. So, we kind of all casually played for a couple seasons or a couple years, I guess. And then, uh, when I started taking it more seriously, he was still playing golf, you know, pretty seriously. So, he kind of stopped playing disc golf. And I kind of stopped playing golf and kind of went the disc golf way. Um, so he doesn't really play. Um, he kind of wanted to do his own thing. I think, you know, it's not it's not super fulfilling just kind of traveling around with me, I don't think, and just kind of, I guess, living my dream. So I think he he kind of wants to pursue his own his own path, which I can totally, totally you know, relate to. So I think, uh, yeah, I think he'll be better off kind of, yeah, pursuing his own stuff. Uh, 100% natural. Someone over here asked, so he's not natty. No, you're, you're completely natural. Yep. Completely you're just natural, maximizing yep. what a human body can do. And you're vegan. And you've been vegan your entire life. Yeah. 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 I mean, the last the last handful of years or so, I've, you know, tried some non-vegan food here on there. But, you know, 98, 99% of my diet is still plant-based. Are there other guys on tour that are vegan? Yeah, there are a few. Um one of the best players in the world for the last five years or so um, grew up vegan throughout his whole life as well, but he's, he's recently turned to carnivore. So there was one last plant-based guy on tour, but those are those, I think those are a handful of people that are plant-based or at least mostly plant-based. There's basically one guy in CrossFit that's that I know of that was able to get very, mm -hmm. very good being vegan. He's an Australian guy. Uh, so it's just, I just always find it interesting when there is an athlete that, cause you know, a lot of people, they, they perceive the vegan diet to be limiting to a certain degree, but to mm. know that there are a few people in each of these kind of uh, select sports that are still able to get to the top with that diet. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I'll show you the guy. Uh, his, you're talking about uh, uh, Newberry. Newberry, right? Yeah. Yeah. James, I think that's a, I think that's a wooden. Oh geez. Okay. I think that's a wooden dumbbell, <laughs> but yeah, Australian dude. Jacks. Dude, cool dude jacked out of his mind dude yeah. jacked out of his mind uh, you know what's interesting but, but you know what's interesting though kind of like your body um your body um changes tremendously between whether you're relaxed or pumped when you start working out you start getting really really jacked right i mean there's like a noticeable difference like when you're just relaxed you're just re you, you, i mean you just look like a swimmer and then, and then I just look at videos of you, like after you've been working out a little bit, I'm like, oh shit, he's pumped out of his mind. Your body goes through yeah. a pretty quick transformation. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the pump the pump definitely adds a lot. I mean, I think flexing, just flexing, uh, it probably changes the most. You know, if I don't if I don't flex, you don't really see any striations or anything. Well, if I flex, it could build striations in my chest or my shoulders, you know, or you know, stuff like that. Obviously, the size changes too. So, I mean, I, I keep it pretty consistent as far as, like, walking out throughout the season and offseason. So, I don't really see any huge, like, you know, like mass differences as far as people who like bulk and cut I kind of keep it pretty consistent so I don't see a huge difference in that in that way how tall are you six one a little over six one. Oh wow okay how much of a factor do you think height plays in the ability to be elite at disc golf I think it definitely helps um I don't think it's the most important thing like it is in you know other sports like basketball or something it's not that physical of a sport, but it definitely it definitely gives you an advantage as far as distance goes because I think you can use your your length and those levels to get more power. But at the same time, like the the most dominant player in our game so far is only five nine, I think. That's you know, right. so it's it's definitely not you know those 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 more things that are more important like focus and consistency, accuracy, all that stuff, which height doesn't really play a huge factor on. Just a few weeks ago, the guy that won is maybe. Maybe five seven. Um, Who's and, that? You know, he's he's still throws really far and he got, uh, he got the win. So, so Paul, Paul McBeth is a guy that he's referencing. He was five nine, and Emerson Keith, I think, is the other yeah. five seven. Yeah, I, ne- I never knew how tall Emerson was, but he's. I mean, he is. I would say they're both an outlier relative to most of the guys. It seems like six one is kind of like a. That's a lot of players seem to be about that height that are you know yeah. towards the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even. I'm not even considered that tall. In like, uh, you know, well, there's like, these, like, I mean, Calvin and Ricky and Gannon. It's like, it's just, yeah. right, exactly. Look at this guy. This commentator's as tall as Gannon, unless he's Nate maybe he's standing uphill a little bit. He's probably standing. That's that's Nate Parkins. He's he's about six one, six two as well. And I think Gannon's probably six five, maybe maybe six six. Two so years old, really probably big. seven two. So Gannon's what? What'd you say? Who's seven two? No, I said in a couple of years he'll probably be like seven two. Oh, he's only it's eighteen, like a, so I mean he's probably gonna keep keep shooting up. Does I he think, really? I think there's a joke on tour that like Gannon grows two inches every year. Yeah. Does he really stand out because he's so tall? Is he that tall? It's like oh, like if he walks into like a seven eleven or something, it's like oh, everyone looks. Um, maybe. Yeah, I mean, on, like on tour, he he doesn't stand out as like super tall because we got guys like Ricky and Calvin like. uh like he said, so he's not like he's not way taller than everybody on tour, but I guess compared to your average population at seven eleven, he maybe would, you know, stand out. Um, have you ever seen a woman spectator uh, in in all the years you've been playing uh, disc golf? I, 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 I've been keep waiting to see one woman in the um, stands. I haven't seen one. Yet. You ever seen one? Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely male dominated, but there's definitely there's definitely women out there as well. They're allowed in. They're allowed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just checking. All right. Sorry. Um, this was pretty inclusive. Okay, good. All right, great. Um, uh, when you told, can you go back and tell me um, the first time you held a disc in your hand? Any kind. Twenty fourteen, of... I believe. So ten years ago. Yep. Yeah, about at ten six, years ago. At we'd, sixteen. Yeah, yeah. We we played ultimate frisbee a little bit. Like with the swim team, I grew up swimming competitively. And so a few, like every Wednesday morning, I guess, we would go out and play ultimate frisbee with the team. So I knew how to throw a, how to throw a frisbee. 
Um, but then we just kind of saw some people randomly playing disc golf in the course they must must have just recently put in. So we kind of saw, saw it, thought it looked like fun. And then um, I think my brother maybe found a disc in a creek or something. So we like used that and some ultimate discs went out and played and kind of liked it right away and then got on YouTube and started watching all the Joma stuff and, you know, Central Coast and fell in love with that side of the, uh, the game too. Um, do you remember? So at 16, I'm assuming when you started playing, are you right-handed? Yes. And do you remember the first time you threw a forehand? Oh man, I don't. My, Did I, it I take like, a while though? Did it take a while? Like at least a year? Or? Yeah, it, it, I think it kind of went at a, at a similar pace. I can remember um, we we used to travel like as a family in the winter time because my parents hated the cold. Like I guess like I do. Um, but I can remember we were in Vegas at a course and. I felt like my forehand was almost stronger than my backhand. So I started kind of throwing it more often. And then my brother, Judah was, he, he kind of told me to not like lean on that so much just cause the backhand is, is kind of the better throw. Um, so I think, I think it was, I think my backhand forehand was probably somewhat even right away. And then after I kind of took disc golf seriously and put a lot of time into the backhand, then my, my backhand's gotten to be a lot more prominent. So you started backhand, but quickly realized you had a better forehand. That's interesting. I never even thought of that. It's such a, for me, it's such a bizarre, uh, throw. It, 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 it seems un yeah. unnatural to me. I think, I think a lot of people pick up the forehand easier because I feel like it's a more comparable motion to like a baseball toss mm -hmm. or a tennis, you know, hit or something like that. Well, the backhand is kind of more of a unique movement, I would say. And then what about switching from a, a ultimate frisbee disc to a disc golf disc? It's to me, it's like almost not even the same game. It's not right. Even yeah, it's it's totally different. It's it's like a different throw as well. With the ultimate disc, you can get away with you know kind of really getting your arm super like cold up and just spinning the disc a lot. You don't need a lot of speed. Whereas the way the discs are designed, speed is a lot more important to get the disc to travel. So you, I mean, you know, you'll see some some ultimate players try to transition to disc golf, and it's not. Not as easy as maybe you'd think. Brody Smith, obviously, being probably the most notable one, um, and he's done a good job of transitioning. But it was definitely difficult for him right away. And I don't feel like, I don't feel like transitioning from ultimate gives you a huge um, advantage. Was Brody a good ultimate frisbee uh, player? He was probably the best. He was definitely the best at the time he played. Wow. I don't know about you know still, but he he might be the best at all. Also, a big man sport. Yeah. For sure. And that's one too, like jumping, you know, and being able to jump high and be tall in that way uh, helps as well. So, so uh, 16, you're, you're swimming, you're going, were you, did you go to high school or were you homeschooled? I was homeschooled. Yeah. God, we, dude, you are yeah. a fucking hippie. Uh, beans, <laughs> vegan, homeschool, travel during the winter. Are you, why are you having trouble accepting this? We, we, you, are, you, are, you and I are from the same cloth. I mean, you're on a slightly different part of the blanket. I mean, I'm only 5'5. Five five. <laughs> but, but you are we are weave that's generous yeah thank you homeschooled yeah like, where are your parents what are your what ethnicity are your parents um i mean just white we we did uh we, we are you amish how, how many like years the... amish no no where were, no. where were they born uh south dakota god both of them you have we... cool parents you, are, are they're cool you feel pretty lucky yeah. oh for sure yeah i feel super blessed to be be raised by them i think they i think they did a good job as far as you know parenting can go it's that it's a tough job so you're an independent strong human being that there's not a lot of those left chasing a dream it's a, it's a, 
Wow. Okay. Uh, what generation are your parents? Um, I think my, I want to say like my, maybe my, my mom's grandma, maybe my great grandma, like couldn't speak English. So what did she speak? I think German, I believe. German. I think it went like German, Russian, Switzerland, maybe it's as far back as, as we've gone. Do you know how your parents met? In college. In, in the Dakotas? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know they had college in the Dakotas. It, I mean, it is pretty. It is pretty scarcely populated state. <laughs> not, a, not a whole lot going on. But hey, will that will that uh, five fun when the five five when the man bun is on top? That's correct. There you go. Uh, where would you consider home? I, I I still claim South Dakota. You know, so when people when they announce me, you know, full of false tea, they still say uh, they still say South Dakota. I haven't I haven't settled down anywhere else since. So, you know, maybe if I buy a house somewhere for the off season, then maybe I'd claim that. But I would still I would still claim South Dakota. Do you in still the, own... in the, Go in ahead, the sport Sorry. of disc golf? Is that something that they like ask you at a tournament or they ask you before the season? Because sometimes the players will change. You know, like... Right. Yeah, we have to we have to uh, plug that in when we sign up for the for the PDGA membership, I think is what it is. Um, so we have to like claim a residency somewhere. And so mine is still, still South but you Dakota. Could, so like every year when you update your PDGA rating, you could, that's when you can make the change. Yeah, I could pop, I think you can go in and edit it as well. So if I wanted to go change it now, I probably could do that as well. You mean like what his home state is? They'll just say, uh, you know, now taking the tea from South Dakota, sponsored by Discraft, Ezra Aderholt. So, okay. But, but some players, you know, they move, you know, like, uh, you know, Paul McBeth for a long time. I don't know what he claims anymore, but it always was Huntington Beach, but he hasn't yeah. lived there for a long time. Right. Yeah, now it's well, it was Virginia then for a couple of years, and now it's uh, it'll probably be Florida now. Hey, and you were into real estate. Uh, that was your that was your first occupation before you. Do you still yeah. own any property? I don't. Yeah, I mean, growing up, my dad had rental properties, so <clears throat> you know we got pretty familiar with uh, like the renovation side of of all that, and uh, yeah, so that interested me. I wanted to kind of just be like a real estate mogul, make a bunch of money. So like right out of high school, my brother and I bought like four houses, fixed them mm. up and then <clears> sold <throat> them and kind of realized that with all that time spent, we couldn't really do anything. Like even if we had money, it wasn't really, it wasn't really worth at the time. And I kind of realized that, uh, I could, I could probably just make money when I'm older if I wanted to. So it, it made more sense for me to take, take the, I guess a little risk maybe that there was and chase something that I thought would be a little bit more enjoyable. Do you guys do uh, the manual labor on those yourself? Yeah. Yeah, we did most of the most of the stuff ourselves. <clears throat> so six so sixteen, you you pick up a, a disc uh, for the first time. And was there a time where you were like it started just taking an inordinate amount of your time? You're like basically like in between renovating houses or class or whatever, you're like, well, I just want to get uh or you start notice you're on the internet looking for new discs. Is there a point when you're like, okay? something's going on here. I've, I've found my passion. You're playing on rainy days, windy days. You're playing at night with a headlamp. You know what I mean? When you just start seeing you, you, you set up, you get a basket, you steal a basket from a course and put it in your backyard. Shit like that starts happening. Um, not until after the houses. So I would say from like 16 <clears throat> until 19, um, it was super, it was super casual. You know I mean? Even in height, like for the first couple of y'all's, 
golf was my main focus. So from 16 to 18, I was, I was still playing golf. Probably all in just would play disc golf casually. And then, um, yeah, for that whole sum of doing the renovations, didn't really spend any time disc golfing at all. Um, just because we were, all, we were trying to put 10, 10, 11 hour days into the houses to get them fixed up as soon as possible. Um, and then after we, after we got done with the walk, then I kind of realized like, I got, I kind of want to do something else. And I had, I was already confident in my disc golf game for whatever reason. Like I felt like I was already good enough to, to be like professional, which was obviously not even, not even close, but then after putting in a lot of work, um, I knew I'd be able to, I guess, make it. Excuse me for one second. Sorry. I apologize. Uh, I'm just being honest. When mayhem goes live, I'm out of here. I'd rather watch kettlebells and cocks than listen to disc golf. Uh, I respectfully say you fucking cunt get the fuck out of here and don't post in my chat again. Thank you. I appreciate it. No hard feelings. Okay. (laughs) Sweating now, fucking dickhead. They're having a fucking conversation about going over. You want to go over and suck Rich's cock? Go ahead. I ain't hating on you. Go, go. Rich, I, Rich I, Froning is. Yeah. Uh, is I'm ready uh, to leave like... fucking too, Brian, with this guy, so they can talk about frisbee to go give Rich a handy. Go ahead, dickheads. I'm that guy, Ezra, Ezra is kind of like uh, he's kind of like Paul Macbeth. Like he's been the best guy in the game for a long time, and he's actually a, he's a friend of ours, but he's also okay. has a podcast going on right now. Nice. They're over here talking in the chat about going over there. Uh, okay, look, here's the guy who's pretty happy he met you, Brian, at the West Coast semifinals. Here we go. Met a lot of good people the, this last month. Look, Jody Lynn, I love this guest. Yeah, what's Dante like about him? I'm going to put up some um, uh, um, pictures of him with his shirt off. Will that keep some of you around? <laughs> look, we have one girl. Look, we have one girl who listens to the podcast. There we go. Uh, yeah, way more than that. I, okay. <clears throat> uh, okay. Uh, here we go. Back, back, back. What, what, what do you do for a living? Oh, yeah, golf. Here we go. Back to Ezra Aderhold. Ezra, this this year you and Brody have started doing, like, the course reviews. Like, you know, the you know, you'll play when you get there. Have you uh, – I'm just kind of curious. Have you been – has that been rewarding for you? Or is, like, the time that it takes to do that sometimes a distraction? Or is it a, a, a lot of extra work? Yeah, so we actually um, kind of started doing that last season as well. Um, and it's definitely beneficial, you know, YouTube does do pretty well monetarily. So that definitely helps out. Um, last season we did all the editing ourselves. Um, and that, that definitely, I felt like took a little bit of a toll, um, just because I'd be up kind of late at night editing the video or only on the, in the morning trying to edit so we can get it posted before the tournament would start. And, um, I felt like that maybe had a little bit of a negative effect on my game, Thankfully, this year we've been able to outsource that, um, which obviously costs a little bit. So the, the revenue is not going to be maybe as good as it was last year, but I think it'll be it'll be worth it. Um, and then it's also it's enjoyable, you know, it's something we have we have fun doing, and we'll already make like practicing, so it's like we might as well film it as well, and then people enjoy it. So I really control. like it. <clears throat> you know, I I uh... it looks like yeah. it's a lot of work. Just to add to what you're saying, Brian, I watched one last night and I was like, oh, this is this seems pretty stressful. Like he should be like chilling the day before. Yeah, we usually, we usually film on like Monday or Tuesday. So we have a couple days of just like practice without the cameras um, after, before the, before the tournament. Um, but it's, I mean, it doesn't, it's not really a whole lot different than like a normal practice round goes. You know, we kind of, we, we're typically talking about the shots during a practice round and typically making jokes anyway. So we're kind of just capturing that, that would be what we would already do and then just posting that. Has it led to you eating a lot more waffles than you usually would? Uh, I've definitely eaten more waffles since meeting Brody. Yeah. Why? He's big into waffles? 
You do know, yeah, he loves Waffle House. So we will have these like we'll have a we'll have little side bets sometimes for you know who has to buy the waffles next time. There's nothing at Waffle House that you should be eating, by the way. No. All right. Final hole. Hey, how, do you like playing with your shirt tucked in? The first I think time it looks I saw more that, yeah. I mean, you look great. Pants are tight. You can see you squat below parallel. Shirt's tight. But I was thinking that when you rotate, that you would feel that tug in your waistband, and that would be like take your attention away from the throws. No. Oh man, I did, I hope not. I don't think okay, so. Okay, good. I mean, All I, right. Don't let me get I've been, I've been, yeah, I've been tucking it, tucking it in for a while, and like I, I played golf in in high school. And uh, I think I would tuck it in for that too. So I'm at the very least I'm used to it. Do you look down upon the guys who show up kind of just looking like hippies? Like, come on, um, guys, tighten up your shit, professional up. I, I, I maybe did at the beginning, but in the last, like, since I've been on tour, it's gotten a lot. Like, I guess in the last, since I've been involved in disc golf and watching the sport, I feel like there's been a shift. So even from like six years ago when I started watching, I think the the way people have presented themselves is, is more professional, which I like to see. Um, but I like the jerseys that people are wearing. I think that looks, um, you know, good enough. And I think that's that's a good look for disc golf. Um, some of the athletic Schwartz is maybe not what I'd love to see. But at the same time, it, you know, the the run-up is an athletic move. So I can understand why people would want to wear all the more athletic clothing. So I can't. I don't look do, down on it too um, bad. Do the sponsors get involved in that at all? Would they, like, reach out and say, hey, man, you know, we might appreciate you wearing this or, or not that? Um, well, those there is a dress code in the PGA rules. So, I mean, kind of have to adhere to that. The, the sponsors, I don't know if the sponsors, you know, care too much. I think they want us to look presentable, which most people do. So it's not, it's not really an issue. I don't think. Uh, by the way, uh, Jamie Latimer, I apologize. You're right. Quit counting us girls out. Uh, you're absolutely right. I, I will try. I just, I, I forget that there's girls out here. Uh, Chelsea, uh, speaking of uh, females, I'm loving this. I just recently started disc golfing. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you're so so you're young you're you're uh, athletic uh good parents uh and you dabble in real estate you, re you read uh, rich dad poor dad you think having money would be fun uh, please uh, continue to think that it is fun and then you at some point you you believe in yourself enough to think that you can play professional frisbee golf is that confidence or naiveness yeah I, honestly i think it was naiveness because we, uh, I don't know. Well, congratulations, but, it fucking worked. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got lucky. I don't know. We thought, like, right when we started playing, we, we were arrogant enough, and I think naive is, is a good word for it, to think that we were already, like, good enough to be professional, and we watched the YouTube videos, and we're like, we can throw these shots. Well, like, that distance is, that's, you know, that's, they'll just hype that out to make it look better. And uh, I can remember going to a tournament in, uh, in California. I can't remember the, it's the wintertime open, I can't remember the, the town um but we, we saw paul Macbeth play and you know some other pros as well and even watching them in person we we're like yeah we can probably we can probably throw as far as these guys and then we went out after the round and played the same calls and then we would throw like we threw the shot and it was like half the distance and we we're like oh my gosh well we're really bad <laughs> and uh awesome. <laughs> so then like that was really like that was really like disappointing to, to just be a lot worse than we thought so then i kind of i kind of made a, a decision at that point to either like not play anymore because I just I was like this is I don't want to be this bad, or to like take it seriously and try to make it my job. So I think that would have been that must have been 2019. Um, 
And I was like, I guess I'm just gonna, oh, I guess I'll do it. But you did your first pro tour in May of 2019. So quickly. Oh, it would have been 2017. Right? Okay, 2017. Okay, 2017. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And was that a test? You were testing me? No. <laughs> okay, okay. There's an and, and, and just to um, – so if you're throwing half as far – so you – in those two years, you think you doubled your drive off the tee distance from 17 Somewhat to close. Yeah, double maybe was, it was, it was maybe a bit much. It, it probably wasn't quite half either. I was probably throwing three – Maybe three fifty on like a full, full flight. Um, That's me and, now, by the way. And, and now, and now, what do you throw? Now, what do you throw? I, I would say like six hundred. I mean, I, my oh, my wow. longest like <laughs> wow. my longest like measurable throw was six seventy nine in, in a contest. Wow. Yeah. God, that, but I'm not. I mean. I'm not really hitting 600 in a in a tournament setting usually just because it's such of an aggressive line, and right. there's and there's really few holes that demand that. Yeah, exactly, and especially now, like the course are becoming increasingly difficult with OB and decision making and all that stuff too. To, well, you can't really you can't really get away with just kind of spraying a shot as far as you want on most uh, on most courses. That's actually that's one of the two things that I appreciate I think most about the videos that you and Brody put out is the kind of the course analysis and that you guys aren't really afraid to say like I can see where the course designers coming with this hole or these style of holes that they've chosen to sprinkle into the course layout and then you'll say and I and I like it for this reason or I don't like it for that reason but in general um, how how difficult do you think it's becoming for course designers to find like holes or layouts that are challenging enough for you guys without being kind of like over the top ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It is a difficult thing. Um, you know, I think you will, we always make the comparison to golf just because it's a somewhat similar sport and they have the putting so difficult and they can easily adjust the greens kind of and the speed and all that stuff to make the hole play so much more difficult just on that one small area where we don't really have that. Um, you know, the putting is, is one of the easier parts of, well, for some people, it's one of the easier parts of the game. So I'm some, sometimes still walking on, but, um, without, without making a, a hole fluky, but still difficult is, is one of the biggest challenges. Um, and obviously those things you can do with OB to make you maybe want to play safe. Um, but I don't know, you know, I'd like, I'd like to see, I'd like to see them shrink the baskets and see what that would do. Cause I think, I think making the putting, more difficult would make everything about the, the game more difficult. I think I'd, I'd really interested to see interested to see what what that would do. Is there a is there a minimum or maximum requirement that the PDGA enforces for that? Like, do the baskets have to be a certain diameter? Yeah, I believe so. To be, you know, it's one of those things that, like, for, in my opinion, and this is kind of coming from a, the CrossFit space. Like, there's certain parts of the season that are part of the season, but then there's, you know, t like tournaments or competitions outside of the season that could do some experimenting in that regard. So it might be cool for an like out of season tournament to just try that with the diameter yeah. that's like 75 percent of the mandated PDGA one, and and just kind of do a little study and see how it is. Right, for sure. I mean, there has been. There has been an event in the past in Utah, I believe, where they had a basket with basically just the inside chains. So those like a, it's like a marksman basket, I guess. And it's just really, it's like the width of a disc is all. And that basket doesn't really catch very well because it's so easy to just hit the pole and bounce straight back out. So I don't think that's necessarily the, the route. I think they'd have to shrink every, every aspect of the, of the basket 
the width and the height and proportionally just, make it, uh, just bring it down smaller yeah exactly um yeah, and then somehow that. figure out a way to make a catch well and then if, it, if, if that could happen then i think it'd be ideal uh jeffrey birchfield 679 wow and yeah that's crazy uh jamie latimer does he play real golf yeah i played i played real golf in in high school for four or five years um since then i haven't played a whole lot you know i'll go out maybe a couple times a year um and maybe go to top golf once in a while but not not super committed to that anymore uh just to put things in perspective um Let's uh, tell people about this shot one more time. Uh, Jeffrey Birchfield, a good, great question. Uh, how far is this? How far is this being thrown? That was about five fifty, I think. Okay, because that looks like it's just going forever and ever. Yeah, and that's. I mean, I can't tell if you got a full flight out of that. It almost just looks like a hyzer flip to flat. Yeah, I think it did tone some. Those were those were some pretty flippy discs. The false batch of the of the nukes last season came out pretty flippy. So I was having to put those on a pretty steep hyzer angle. And we had a little bit of headwind too. So it, it got a lot of, a lot of movement. Uh, God, it's cool. You you look like a friend of mine and Brian's in, uh, in this. Do you know who I'm talking about, Brian? Who he looks like? No. Uh, Chase Ingram. Oh yeah. Actually a great comparison. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's every time I watch that, I'm like, is that Chase? Chase is, um, uh, playing for the uh judy reed um are elbow injuries uh or shoulder injuries common similar to baseball players yeah there has been there has been a few elbow injuries from some of the top players and then also knee i think would probably be like the next most common um you know and i think one of the one of the things is we don't have as many staff members kind of helping people with the injury prevention stuff that like MLB will have. So we don't have, we don't have as much access to that. Um, we do have one guy. I think that helps a lot. Um, like a body worker who's on the tour. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, you know, he, he helps a lot with people getting warmed up before the round and stretching after the round and all that, that stuff, which I think is important. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of strain that goes on to the elbow. So that's, it's definitely, you know, if you want to work with that guy, do you have to like sign up for, I mean, there's oftentimes a hundred plus players in a tournament. That seems like one guy's job, <laughs> almost impossible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's included with the tour call that we sign up for. So we get access to it. Um, and then it's all, it's, it's also spread out throughout <laughs> the day. So, you know, if I tee off at 11 o'clock, you know, you know, maybe go, well, somebody tees off like 11 o'clock, we go see him for like the half hour. So leading up to it. And then the pulse that tees off at noon, will go, you know, Talk to him right, right, right after that, and just kind of fills up his day like that. How how yeah. difficult is it to get a tour card? You have to be top eighty uh, from the previous season, I think, or top seventy-two. Top, I think it's top eighty. Is that based on player rating, or is it based on the world rankings that the? Um, I believe it's based on the. Like I think the, it's the, the pro tour season. points. Pro tour points. So if you yeah, don't, if you always, don't. Yeah, I'm a very like analytical mind for, for CrossFit. I do a lot of uh, data analysis, research and evaluation of the players and the competitions. And when I'm and I'm 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 starting to gain a lot of knowledge and interest in disc golf in the same regard. And I'm always curious, like <clears throat> where I should look, you know, on the PDGA, they have the rating. And so you can see that you know, who the highest rated players are on the MPO site or UDISC with MPO. They have <clears throat> this dominance index index, which I don't entirely understand. And then, of course, there's the tour points. Which one of those do you think is the best reflection of who actually are the top players at any given time? 
I like the the two points the most. I think at the end of the season, especially. So if you even if you just look at like the end of last season, I think that probably has the best gauge. Um, the oh, Ricky Wysocki is going to love that you said that. Yeah, I think the I, I think the uh, the player rating is probably the the least maybe the least accurate. I don't know. The, the player rating is a tough one just because you can go play events off to all that will rate differently depending on the field and the difficulty of the quals. So it's not it's not a perfect system. I think it's a good system for, for amateur players, but I don't think it's super necessary for the pro field. Um, and then the UDISC, the UDISC ranking is also um, – it's it's decent, I think. I don't think it's perfect either. Um, I think the – maybe the Stat Mando, Stat Mando power rank – or the, the Stat Mando – World rankings is maybe the the best one. Um, that's probably pretty similar to the UDISC, I guess. But I think that's maybe the best, like outside of the the Pro Twelve points. Congratulations uh, in uh, Portland! You're on the uh, chase card with Calvin. Good company, uh, right? Chase card with no uh, Calvin. I think Calvin was like third card, but he just shot really well. Okay. Yeah. Look at and you put it. You put it to your homeboy Gannon too. And a roadie. Yep. You must, you yeah. I'm must glad Brody played well. You must have felt horrible for that. He's the USDC for... spot and the European Open spot. So I'm well, happy say, he's say able to qualify again? for both of those. S- say that one more time. Sorry. Say that again. Oh, I, just, I, I was just – I'm happy for that Brody played well. He's uh, He's been chasing down the USDGC spot, like the qualifying spot, and the European Open spot as well. So he got he got both of those this week, which is super nice. That is hey. – that is awesome, and it's—I mean, let's be super honest. Like, it's good. I think it's good for the sport also that he's able to, you know, elevate and qualify for those tournaments. Obviously, he—I think he's probably brought a big following over from his previous endeavors. Um, yeah. Ezra, um, w- right here it says Brody's number is one hundred twenty-eight thousand, and yours is uh, one hundred twenty-one thousand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then and let's say like someone like James Proctor is 34,000. Is that just when they came into the sport? Cause that guy's been in the sport for so long. Yep. That's, That's just, just literally chronological. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay. And it hey. only, as far as I can tell, it only matters in very specific scenarios uh, where there's a tiebreaker. Like if, um, for example, if Ezra and I were playing in round two and we both shot the same in round two and had the same total for the tournament, then the next tiebreaker would be the fact that he had a lower PDGA number than me when determining Correct. which card we would play on in the third round. Correct. Yeah. Brian said something too that I didn't understand. You guys were talking going back to courses and about holes being uh, difficult or good. And I, I and then he said and then I think you guys said the word versus a, a floaty hole or floaky hole. What was Flukey, the word you used? Uh, fluky. Fluky. What does that mean? Like a hole that's like got a gimmick in it. That's like kind of. Yeah. Abs- yeah in- so I mean, you can make a whole, a whole fluky with just having like, if you just imagined having like OB cross the fairway every 10 feet, this would be like a, a super extreme example, but you could just have, you could have OB, the OB run a for out of bounds for people who don't know out of bounds. So what yeah, you're saying is, is if you made a checkerboard and the yeah. white was out of bounds and the black was in bounds, that would be cheese dick. Right. It'd be a very difficult hole. But it also is just super gimmicky and fluky. Okay, that's one way to do it. You can also have a hole where it's just throwing through a wall of trees um, that you have to just kind of poke and hope that you get through. That's that's one of the more common ways I would say. Um, or you can have thing like hills can be kind of fluky as well, depending on how you land on the hill and roll away. But that's something you can actually manage. Those different ways to make a hole difficult. Um, but those you know like like some of those those examples, those some bad ways to make holes difficult as well. 
or or even even the mandos that they put in the mandatory like right off the tee sometimes there'll be some mandatories and while I, because I'm not super familiar with the sport and I'm watching on on um on a TV I can't really tell what the purpose of it is. I can't tell like hey why are they trying to guide the dude right through this you know or if the if the yep. mandatory is pretty far off the tee it's like oh shit what happens if you go outside a mando that's out of bounds. It's basically yeah it's 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 typically this kind of similar to going out of bounds and you take you, you know, you take your stroke for going out, you take a stroke for coming back and then you throw at it at it like a drop zone right next to the mandatory is like the typical, the typical ruling. The purpose of Amanda is basically to um, limit people from taking an easy line to the basket. So if you can imagine like a dog leg, a, a big dog leg left, that's like mm-hmm. 600 feet in the wide open. You could just go straight at the pin at like 400 feet. They put Amanda halfway down the fairway, makes you go all the way around the hole so they can. Gotcha. You know, on more open calls, especially, it's it's definitely necessary sometimes. Sometimes it's for safety. They don't want you throwing into another horse fairway or they yep. know there's going to be stand- fans over there. Yeah. Uh, Heidi Kroom, is he single? Uh, are you single, Mr. Ezra? I am single, yes. Yeah. Did, did you yeah, ever I'm married, have a... I'm married to the game. Oh, nice. I like that. Um, in um, uh, some sports, I'm trying to think what they, like professional basketball and I want, they they have like words for the for the girls around the course. They're like called like something bunnies or something. I can't remember. D- does golf have those like girls who are on the tour like chasing you down trying to get you to to marry you? Try to spend the uh, night in the Prius. Anyone ever tried to spend the night in the Prius? I mean, I don't think you know. Back when I was living in the Prius, I don't think that's a super attractive quality for a guy to have. So. <laughs> Uh, I, don't think, I, don't, I didn't have any issues back then. <laughs> as soon as you upgraded to the motorhome? No, nah, I mean, it's, it hasn't, that hasn't really been. There's not a whole lot of disc golf groupies. So, do, do, um, do you have any time for courtship? Do you have any time for uh, dating, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, every now and again. Um, I mean, I, I've gone on some dates, you know, in the past couple of years, but it's kind of a difficult, it's kind of a difficult part of the job just with, with how much I travel. I feel like it'd be difficult to actually get into like a relationship. You know, I don't, I don't think the long distance thing would be super fair for either people. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of unfortunate, but like for, for where I'm at in my career right now, I feel like I'm, I feel like it's not a super plausible option. In the the CrossFit competitions, I always recommend if possible for someone to bring a person with them, whether it's their girlfriend or their wife or a manager. Really? Or your friend. girlfriend or your wife? Really? Well, just, just hear me out. Stephon. Okay. Okay. Someone that can, you know, be there for them to do simple things, you know, get, make sure that they're eating or, you know, if they forgot something at the hotel, they can run and get it for them. It's just like these little things because CrossFit competition is very demanding physically. And, you know, in, in disc golf and specifically relevant to this conversation, I notice, I don't know what percentage, but there's a decent amount of players on tour that have their girlfriend or wife that travel with them all the time. Do you think that's that can be an advantage, or is or do you think that sometimes it's too distracting? Yeah, I, I think it go. I think it go, could go either way, depending on the person and depending on the situation and how they handle things. I think, though, I mean, I could definitely see uh, there are benefits. I'm sure, um, you know, and obviously some people make it walk, so I don't think it'd be. I don't think it'd be a completely just like negative, distracting type of thing. Um, and if it's the right pulse, I think it could be a, a benefit. I don't know. I mean, what if you get what if you get in a fight with your girl about something just inconsequential just prior to getting on the holes? That would suck. Like you know, like like yeah, like someone forgot to pick up the dog poop. I mean, just some bullshit. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. 
I you'd have to have a great well. mate who at all yeah. times can just give you a kiss and be like, hey, just drop it. Let's let this go. They'd have to be able to just squash anything. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. There are certain players and sometimes like very high level players, you know, like, like Chris and Eagle that you, know, you just expect their just significant other to be there all the time. And for those, it's, it does seem like it works out very well. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you said you're 26? Uh, 25. 25. Um, I, uh, a 6.09 mile. That's pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. That's that. That's a that's pre- that's pretty crazy. Did did you ever re I, in that video? You said you were going to retime it. I didn't believe you. I'm like, there's no way he's retiming that after getting a six oh nine. I planned on it. Well, that was I didn't train at all for that, and my plan was to like, yeah. <laughs> my plan was to. Uh, By the way, another sign of a hippie. See the way like you don't brush your hair and you just let it fro and like that. Another. Yeah, I mean, it's got to you got to live free, dude. You yeah, know, let it yeah, let it breathe. You're, you're totally living free. Okay, go on. Um, sorry. But yeah, my my plan was to you know, practice, like train a lot through the off season. Um, and then go back and, and time myself, uh, at the mile again, just to see if I improved. I, I did the same thing with swimming as well. And about a month into like run, like, you know, going on runs every other day or whatever. Um, uh, foot, I got some foot pain, I think is what it was. And so like I kind of stopped. Fasciitis? Ah, uh, maybe. I'm not super familiar with with anything. Did it feel like, like that, you were but... stepping on attack? Did it feel like you were stepping on attack? Um, I, don't know if, I don't know if I would say attack. Okay, I don't I'm know. Like, I'm like a doctor, so you, okay, you, okay, go ahead. It was a while ago, yeah. So I I kind of stopped doing the running side of it, and I I kept up with the swimming until the season started. Um, but it how would have been interesting to see what I what I could have ran after. How after much like do you a couple weigh? months of training? About one ninety. What's the shortest dude on the tour? We were talking. What's the shortest, like absolute shortest? Is there any like five four dudes? Five, five six, five seven. Emerson's right, right there with the, with the shortest guys. There's no dudes who are so short where you're like, hmm. I wonder if he goes in the dwarf category. No one like that. No, no. no. <laughs> Mason Ford probably another one. I think he may be an inch taller than Emerson though. Yeah, him and Emerson are, are very, very similar in stature. Let's say. And any um any any chance the drug is there any concern about drugs on there? I mean, everyone looks so svelte, and I kind of liked your analysis of um in, in one of the videos I saw that getting stronger isn't necessarily and may not equate to a better throwing. But any how about what about weed? Do they test for that? Yeah, they don't they don't test for anything in, in disc golf, which um I would like to see that you know become a thing at some point I don't think it's cost effective at, the, at you know at the level disc golf's at I think it would be too expensive um unfortunately but I mean yeah I mean there are definitely substances that that get used um I don't know like what like Adderall think... like something to help you with your focus like Adderall or something like that Right I think I think I think stuff like that would be more beneficial than like steroids Right um but I I don't know. I even think weed might be better. Like people don't say weed is uh, performance enhancing, but I feel like if it calms people's nerves and can help them with folks and stuff like that, I feel like it could be a, a performance enhancing one. How about um, nicotine? That's obviously a legal, nic- a legal drug though. So I would think nicotine too. Chew. I would think, or do a lot of guys chew? Um, I don't think you can actually, so I don't think you can actually use any of that stuff during the competition. Oh. So, you know, I think people might maybe smoke a little bit before they go play, or if they chew, they maybe choose be chew before they go play. Um, but during the actual competition, I don't think it's actually allowed. What if, what if someone wanted to take like a THC edible? How could you regulate that? 
I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they, they can't, they really can't. I mean, yeah. Is that, are there something that I've always been curious about is, is go well, you, you have another question about drug seven. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you don't think there's any guys with um, uh, nicotine pouches on the, while they're on the tour, like out, out, out there. Um, if there, that shit if helps is focus any? tremendously. I I wonder if that's illegal in baseball. I didn't. Is it illegal in baseball? I don't think it is. Someone will know in the comments. Mm. Um, if, if there are guys using it, they've done a good job of not letting me see. Um, so I don't. Maybe I don't pay good enough attention. Um, right. But I mean, all that all spot would be something pretty easy to hide. Oh, are are, are are you guys pretty close? The group, the the guys on tour. It's definitely. I feel like disc golf's a lot closer than most sports just because most people travel you know all of the same spots they you know we camp out we go well, a lot of people you know kind of stay in the same parking lot in our vans um and we, we see each other on practice rounds and so i think i think the pro disc golf community i guess does see each other a lot more often than maybe other sports um so it's not like friends with everybody but we definitely know we definitely are familiar with everybody I mean, and, I'm you know. in in general. I'm like very impressed with uh, sportsmanship, at least that's shown outwardly. I mean, even yeah. in this past week, you know, these guys are in a very like contentious. It's very close. Every shot matters. There's some people getting good breaks, bad breaks, having good holes, bad holes. People react to the, those things differently. But when yeah. it comes down to it, like it's not very much time that passes. And fist bump, great shot, smiles. Like it's it's really quite impressive, at least what it or, or appears from my end. Yeah, yeah. I would say I would say. The, the vast majority of people on tour are at the very least um, like cordial with each other, you know, so like like at least like friendly on a certain level. Um, and then like last weekend, Adam and Alan battling it out, you know, they're, they're pretty good friends outside of disc golf. And so I think that is probably maybe what you saw even more of that, like, you know, friendsmanship, I guess. How about when Tiger gave that dude a uh, slip that dude a tampon? Do you remember that recently? <laughs> I do. Oh, I actually watched that that. I watched one of the days live in Boston. That's so, that's so good. That's, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> know, it's, so <laughs> it's so good. I mean, uh, he got back. He got backlash. It's like, oh fuck those people. Hey, any any shenanigans like that go, going on? Uh, you know, like uh, maybe like um, spray something on someone's disc so it smells like something. You know, like perfume or any any. Um, no, I mean, I think the most. Maybe we should step up our game and do more of that. But I think the most the most we'll see is like somebody maybe on the card pri previous or the card behind us or whatever will throw a good shot. Then maybe somebody will like put some grass on top of their desk to kind of like try to hide it. Oh, or stake or something. You uh, could put you could take a, a permanent marker and write something on someone's disc that fucks them up too. Like you have a tiny cock or you know what I mean. Just like just as they what? For sure. Well, like all two seasons ago, there was this like hot dog banding going around, stamping a, like a hot dog on people's discs. Uh -huh. So he'd like, you know, when people like warming up, he'd like pick up the disc and stamp it. And like for the longest time, nobody knew who it was. Oh wow! Um, and wow, yeah, I, so like I guess that. that's that's probably that's the, maybe that's the biggest like shenanigans. Did anyone ever find out who did it? Yeah, uh, Jeremy Colling finally confessed. And did he get in trouble? No, uh, it was just like a funny, lighthearted thing. It wasn't. Jeremy Colling, Savan, you know who that is. He he does the commentary for the Jomez videos that we watch and review. He's a okay. he's a taller guy, kind of a silly guy, and uh, yeah. he's been around forever. And I, from my from what I can understand, pretty much well liked by everyone. So he's like the perfect person to kind of pull off something like that. 
Yeah. Um, two thousand. So, so do, do you do you consider yourself um, a professional uh, disc golfer? I uh, I do. Yeah. 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 It's, it's how I get paid. So. And, and and did you consider yourself that before you were one? Like when you had ambitions to go to be one, going back to like 2017. Like let's even go yeah. back a little further. When did it? When were you just like okay? Um, we, you were telling the story of you saw you were like I can do this, and then you saw Paul Macbeth, and you had to scratch your head and be like okay. Yeah. Did you have to have like a, uh, I don't know, come to Jesus moment? Like fuck, I'm gonna commit everything to this. What are my parents gonna think? Is this really what what I want to do with my life? Right. Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, um, yeah, I did have that moment. I think I had that moment pretty soon after watching Paul play in person. And I kind of had that, I had that make that switch to my head of this is what I'm doing. All well, this is what I'm not doing. Um, I wouldn't have called myself a professional at that point just cause I, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't made any money in it. I hadn't competed. Um, I hadn't really done it. I just, I kind of treated it like a job, uh, for like two years before actually competing. So I kind of, did you, know, you have a day job at that point? No. Just no. burning through your reserves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's good. I mean, lived, lived, lived cheap, you know, lived with my brothers in, a, in an apartment. So the rent wasn't too expensive. Didn't spend a lot of money on food. Um, but yeah, just, I practiced for like a couple of years, not as a professional or anything, just put, kind of pretending like I'm already a professional and practicing as if that's my job. And then when I, then I played for about nine months or so kind of on the local level in the Dakotas, um, in in professional events but i wouldn't call myself a professional at that point either just because the the term professional disc golf was kind of a, a loose term in disc golf because you have two on professionals you have local pros it's, it's all kind of all over the place um maybe maybe like halfway into my first season on tour is, is probably when i would be like okay i'm i'm cashing at every event you know i'm i'm playing every weekend this is like that maybe that's when i would, would say that i was a, a professional was it was it around that time that uh, anyone started reaching out in terms of sponsorships or did that take a little longer? Yeah, that took, that took towards the end of the season. Um, maybe, of maybe just a few months. End of 2019? Uh, 2020. 2020. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, so for, for, 20, for the, let's see, 2019, I just played local, local stuff mostly until the very, very end. And then I kind of went to Texas and um, just before the season. Um, and then 2020, I played kind of okay throughout most of the most of the season, and then I had a few kind of events happen in a row where I kind of popped off and got some recognition, and then I got some then I got some people kind of reaching out to me, um, and then didn't didn't commit to anything for all the rest of the season, and then at the end of 2020, um, that's when I made made the decision to to go with with this craft. Um, but actually, before so before 20, the 2020 season. I played a, a tournament in Texas with Nate Perkins, and then he put in a gold, good word for me with OTB. So they actually sponsored me for the whole 2020 season. Oh, um, yeah. So that was that was that was super clutch. Nate, Nate per Perkins seems like a genuinely good dude. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Birchfield, Major League Baseball's 2016 collective bargaining agreement banned the use of smokeless tobacco, including chewing tobacco, mm. for all new big league players. Oh, for the new guys. Okay, so the guys who are addicted already got to like uh, finish out. Yeah, I, I, I ain't hating on that. That shit. Interesting. You, you ever you ever fuck around with nicotine, Ezra? You ever smoke oh. cigarettes or no? No, never have. Man, that stuff is. Whew. Um, that Sevy, did you show him that lady who missed a shot by my? Do we have He's that? He's talking about Evan, Evelina Salin and whole seventeen at Waco. 
Do, do you know? Oh, look at he cringed a little bit. He like I've seen cool. some shots, but here's the thing: like I'll, I'll cringe at I'll, I'll cringe at the shots, but at the same time, like I've I've missed some putts pretty badly too. So it's like I don't I don't know. Dude, the guy the guy who won this tournament last week in Portland ultimately he had one of the worst shots putts I've ever seen. Like three or four holes before he won it, he just like, hit the biggest tree right in front of him. It happens. Right. Yeah. Oh, um, that yeah, that wasn't saying that he had to make a putt from inside the tree. I think. Yeah. Up. That was. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So so. This um in in this this period, so you're you're touring. You're trying to. You, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I want to go back a little bit more. So these two years that you're just practicing golf, golf, is it basically like? And you're in this apartment with your brothers. You wake up in the morning. Um. You eat your food. And then you have a regiment you go on. Okay, I'm going to practice putting for an hour. I'm going to practice drives for an hour. I'm then going to nap for an hour. Then I'm going to work out. And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to uh, practice more drives. It was it like that for just two years? Yeah, um, it wasn't that that structural, but yeah, on that on that level, kind of. I guess it was it was a lot of technique work. So I would I would spend most of my time in front of my my phone camera just doing slow motion shots and slowing it down and trying to really iron out my, my throws. Um, I, I was like in a basement throwing into a tulp that I hung up um, in my parents' old house. Um, but yeah, so I, I remember. Tripping? Were people tripping on you? What do you, what do you mean by tripping on me? Like, it just seems like such a, it, it, it's so, um, on one level, it's so extreme. Like, Hey, oh, I'm going right. to put my life on hold for two years and I'm going to refine some motions yeah, using an iPhone. No, right. you're, are you your Droid guy? I am. I was actually an iPhone guy at the time, though. So, got holy shit. Pause. <laughs> you went from an iPhone to a Droid. Yeah. How come? Um, hmm. it's a good question. I don't know because, like, now the i the the Android's the same price as the iPhone, so it's not really like a cost. It's like it's not a cost move. Um, I think the specs the specs the Android has is better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like now, I've gotten used to the, the to the UI of the mm-hmm. Android, so I'm I'm more familiar with how everything works. Wow! And uh, I, pr- I prefer it. You know, the iPhone people hate you because you fuck up all the like group text threads. Oh, for sure, yeah, definitely. This morning, I had to tell the producer of the show, I'm like, "Hey, can you text him a link? Because I don't have cell service at my house, and I only so I can only text people who are on Wi-Fi, okay, or or who have an iPhone." And I'm like, "God damn it, this guy." Yeah. Yeah, wow, that's impressive. You I didn't know. You, uh, I didn't know people up. went that way. I didn't know people went iPhone, to Android. Go ahead. You got it. You got to try it out. I agree. I, you're bold. You are unique, man. You're a Renaissance man, dude. There's no doubt. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. You said that you, you hung up a tarp. You throw into a tarp, and I think sometime in the last month or so, Cole Rodallin did an interview where he said, I would, "Anyone who's trying to get good, I would recommend throwing into a net." Does that actually work? Like for me, seeing the flight of the disc is very meaningful. What is the benefit of throwing into a tarp or a net? Yeah, I would say that the seeing the flight of the disc is definitely beneficial. But when it's like twenty degrees below zero and it's like you know four feet of snow outside, it's not really an option. So that's that's where the you know throwing into a net is kind of the best option. And at the very least, you can still film yourself and see what your mechanics are and kind of have an idea of if you're hitting the right points and having the right technique. So you can still have some benefit, but maybe not quite as good as, as seeing the disc fly. One other benefit too, is you don't have to pick the disc up. So that, that, that can add a lot of time as far as having to go pick up the discs, run back, throw them again. And you were filming at 240. You'd film it at 240. Um, 
120. Yeah, man, it's been so long. Yeah, probably probably 240. I don't. And then project it onto a TV, like airplay it, or just actually watch it on the phone. I would just watch it on my phone. Yeah, because then I could just scrub and like I had a I used um Huddle Technique. I think it was the app I used. So I could like compare my, I could put my, my video right next to like Simon Lazat or Will Schustrick or whoever it was that I thought had really good form. And then I could compare and see if I was getting to the same uh, positions. Ezra, I apologize. The, the, um, the, the chat has turned hostile towards you. Let's read a few of these. Oh uh, boy. Oh, oh, here, wait, 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 here's one. Uh, Android is so much better yes. than iPhone. Okay. Let's go, fine, Sean. Fine. Oh, I this like one it. hurt. This one is going to hurt. This one's going to hurt a little. You ready? Uh, Anita Dick and me. I bet he likes Pepsi. Ooh, wow, that's vicious. Uh, uh, oh, here we go. I'm not sure if this is good or bad. Droid guy and a vegan. Yeah, it's it's getting weird. I think Can't. that's positive. <laughs> I'm gonna take it positive. All right, take it, take it. How do you want? Um, uh, what what about uh um so 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 you're doing that for two years and and periodically you're doing local tournaments. You said you you poke your head out of the basement. No. No, no, I fought two years. No, for the for the for like two years, I I figured it was. I kind of wanted to get my 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 foundation of my disc golf game strong enough to where when I went and played tournaments, I had that base to build off of. I felt like if I went and just played tournaments right away, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be as easy to focus on technique. I would maybe limit my ceiling as far as not getting the distance I wanted off the tee. You know, so I'd focus more on just like playing playing tournaments well instead of like having my technique good to where I could throw 550 feet. And then when I get to the top level, like having that um, would be a benefit. Brian, what's Sorry, the fuck's up with this dude? He's like a mad scientist. <laughs> There's all these like, did you ever see his video, Brian, with the Prius? Uh, probably not. Okay. So basically what he do, did is he sets up a Prius and he and and he puts a there, there's a he sets up a Prius so that there's a wire that goes from the front basically to the back where he can put a crock pot, right? A, a qu yep. quick cooker where he can boil beans while he's driving, right? And then mm -hmm. he has a, and then he has a seat that lays down where he can sleep in it. So he has this thing where he basically drives from tournament to tournament, flipping on a switch, cooking beans. He gets there, dinner's ready, he eats and goes to sleep and plays the next tournament. I mean, it's like, yeah. It, it's it's and, and then now why two years brian pretend like he's not here is he crazy two years he's working in the lab before he takes his uh um his ferrari out for a test ride is that what i mean i, I honestly i think it's it probably parallels to a lot of different disciplines well you know if you are passionate about something and you want to have be confident in it when you present it you know forward facing that you got to put in the time to refine it and I think, you know, there are elements of being in a live competition setting that are difficult to replicate in your basement. You know, the pressure of the moment and how to calm the nerves when there's, you know, cameras on or people watching. But if you can lean into uh, two years worth of practice and you can, you know, you know, there's still a, a mental discipline to be able to, to, to do that. But if you're confident in the stroke that you've been developing over that time, I think that, you know, it is a good foundation to lean on, you know, when, when you have to start to learn some of those other skills. Uh, um, while you're doing that, are you second guessing yourself as you're watching your your money supply dwindle? And and are are you are there days you wake up and you're like, "Fuck, what am I doing?" I don't think so. No, because it's basically like, you didn't get to cash a check for a long time. I, I mean, I right. mean that metaphorically. Like you don't. It's just no, like it's working right. on your car, working on your car, but you never get to see it just like race. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I didn't. I didn't really make any. Um. I didn't really make any money until yeah, it's like two and a half years, I guess, when I made made some money in like local tournaments, which didn't pay super well. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I was pretty confident in it. I, I knew it would take time. So like I knew I kind of expected that I'd have to go through the, through that period of like not seeing the immediately tone. Um, but I, I feel like it's, I feel like it's something that a lot of people that um, I guess chase all dreams kind of have to go through, you know, like, you know, we see people in all those sports at the top of the game playing whatever on, that's what we see, but we don't really see what goes into it. And I feel like a lot of people have to have that that period where they put a lot into it without the retone in order to get the retone later on. You've even curated your Instagram account to be really uh, um, disc golf specific too. Basically, everything is washed off of it, right? You've archived everything pre 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 disc golf. Uh, yeah, I didn't actually have Instagram uh, before okay. disc golf, so I got I got Instagram because of disc golf. Wow, crazy God! Yeah. Hey, dude, you're a good catch. You, you don't have girls. Um, do, do you sabotage relationships? <laughs> um, are, are you, like, how come? How come someone hasn't? Yeah, I probably do. You? Oh, okay. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like your expectations are too high of girls. Like, like, like you meet them and like she's a everything's perfect, but you see one quirky thing and you're like, "Fuck, this isn't gonna work for fifty years." Uh, you're out. Um. I don't know. I mean, I'm a little, I'm a little cynical. I'm a little cynical of relationships in general, mm. which isn't, I don't like about it, but um, I don't know. I, I think, I think the main thing, I don't think I necessarily look at the goals I've gone on dates with and like see the flaws or whatever as something that I can't like overcome or whatever. Um, I, I think I'm mostly, at least at this point in my life, I'm mostly looking at myself and thinking that I'm still not ready for that with kind of where I'm at in my career and what my goals are. You know, I feel like I wouldn't be able to dedicate enough time to like a relationship. Uh, Ezra has nice hands. Uh, it's probably also just like if you do meet someone at a tournament and, and there's like a little bit of a spark or you have a date, or, you know, it's probably easy to just a week or two from there, just like cat unintentionally, intentionally forget to respond to some texts and be like, sorry, I got busy on the tour. Like that's a legitimate thing that you can kind of say and be like, I believe that. And then just never kind of respond again. Right. Yeah. I mean, I try to be, I, you know, I've, I try to be clear kind of going into like, if I do meet a girl at the gym or whatever, I try to be clear and kind of say like, you know, I, I travel all the time. So like, I can't really get into a relationship right now, but if I was the girl, I would just take that as a challenge. I would fuck you up. That's <laughs> the problem. I think, you know, they might, they might like that, which is bad. It's like, I don't know. Okay, I don't um, know the women's psyche. I want to apologize uh, because I've now realized it. I, I don't, this is probably true for every guest, but now it's, you're probably going to go on a 10-year run until you come on this podcast again that you've never had. This is the best podcast you're ever going to be on for the next 10 years. I apologize. Sorry. Right. We got to hit those highs sometime. Your Frisbee golf career will continue to excel, but this is – okay, here we go. Ezra has nice hands uh, from uh, Sleeky. Uh, Anita Dick and me. It's probably the I cook beans in my car. Are you kidding me? When I was living when, in my car, I was slain. Uh, has he considered OnlyFans? Have you ever considered OnlyFans account? I have gotten a few comments. You know, like if I if I post a shortless picture or something, then people will be like, "Oh, is this like your uh, your false advertisement for OnlyFans, or whatever?" Yeah, that that can be slippery slope. Oh, would you date a meat eater? Yeah, yeah, I've gone on dates with, with people who eat meat for sure. Uh, Jeffrey Birchfield, uh, what size shoe does he wear? Big hands, big feet. Asking for Heidi. Eleven and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is that is a um, that is a uh, Bigfoot. Um, so you, uh, Matt Burns, uh, ten year run. He ain't coming back if that's the case. He is. He's. We're, I can tell. We've ten year reunion. Of course, we have to. Well, no, he'll be on before that. Um, okay. 
so you you you're two years in the lab. You come out. You do it in 2019. Um, you do some local um, tournaments. You're happy with what you see? No, um, I was worse than I thought I was. Oh, actually, shit. still. <laughs> so, like, yeah. After, in the basement, you're years, a bad dude in the basement. Outside the basement. Yeah, yeah. Well, so like after two years, I played my first event. I just kind of signed up for it and went and played it. And my first round was actually really good. I shot uh, if, for people who know ratings. I guess I shot like a, like a thousand sixteen. I think was my first rating ever. And I was like, oh, okay, sick. I can, I can, I can make that. Like, this is, this is good. Second round was like quite a bit worse. And then the last round, I, I could not make a putt to save my life. I shot like nine twenty. I lost. And the by first two round strokes. is on a Friday, then a Saturday, then a Sunday. So okay, so yeah. it was one weekend. You got this feedback. Okay. Yeah, it might have even been a two on Saturday, one on Sunday type of deal. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, and then I was like, oh wow, well, like there's so much of my game that's that sucks. Like I can I can obviously throw further than the competition at the local level, but everything else in my game is is holding me back. So then I had to kind of shift my focus of where my practice was into all that side of the game uh, to really build that. And then I'm still. I'm always, I'm kind of always still in the lab. I think that's just kind of a, a never ending process. And, and how do you become a pro that, that Brian was saying that there's like 80 or 90 guys you guys were discussing who are on the pro. How do you make it from it, the B team or what, what's that process? Yeah. Um, so right now um, we're still at a point where if your rating is high enough at the local level, and you're fast enough to sign up for these pro tour events, you can sign up. Okay. So usually what will happen is, is that, you know, the, the tournament might have 110 spots and 80 of those are going to be pro tools, um, tour called holding spots. And you've got, you know, 20 or 30 spots left over for whoever else wants to sign in. And if your rating's high enough, you can, you can sign up right away. And then if not enough, 10, 20 plus people sign up, then it'll open up to like 10, 10 after a week or so. So you get high, you're waiting high enough. You can actually play in the pro tour events and that's how you can, you know, play the whole season on the pro tour, get the tour call for the next season, hopefully, and then kind of just keep going from there. Do you try? And so one, and then once you're on, you're on for how long? Like, do you ever get concerned? So you've been on the pro circuit in the, in the click for three years now. Yep. Um, do you ever get concerned that you could fall out? Um, I haven't had that concern yet. Um, there was like 80 spots and I think my fall season on tour was 21st. In standings, okay. and then like eleventh, and then fourteenth. So, okay. And um, how about your first year going on the tour? Were they welcoming to you? Or do do people haze you a little bit, test you? I don't think so. No, I mean, I, I kept I kept mostly to myself. You know, I didn't really know anybody on tour, so I just kind of stuck to myself and my Prius, my beans, and stuff. Um, and then yeah, I mean, people were always nice. I don't think I don't think I had to go through any any like hazing rituals. How about uh, did you ever break any etiquette? Like you set your discs or your bag in the wrong spot in the spot that always Paul Macbeth set his bag, and so someone came over like, "Dude, that's Paul's spot." Any no, I don't think so. No, no, pretty chill. Oh, pretty okay. And um, in this, in this, so now you've been doing it three years, and how many, um, how many tournaments will you play typically in a year? Like about legit tournaments. Wow. And is that 25? Is that all, every other week, consecutive weeks? Yeah, it, it varies a little bit. Sometimes we'll go back to back. Maybe maybe have three events in a row at most. Um, and then have, you know, we'll have off weeks kind of sprinkled in. It's like a 
like a nine, nine and a half month period. Well, we all play 20, 25 events. 24 this year, though, because you didn't get into the Champions Cup. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that still holds. Thanks for the, thanks for the memory. Well, I've, I, I was hesitant to bring it up. I know it's no, you're, you're subject, good. You're but good. I, like, I didn't understand it. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how it works. Like, why weren't you able to play in that tournament? Yeah, it was kind of just an unfortunate, it was kind of a, a few unfortunate things that, that happened. Um, so that was what one where we all did This is like a month ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't we didn't automatically get signed up when we signed up for the tour card because that was a major, and um, yeah, it was kind of its own thing, I guess. We didn't get we didn't get signed up automatically for that, so we had to actually go in and sign up for that event when the registration opened, which was like a week long period, and there wasn't a great job done of letting us players know when that was, which was kind of odd, but most people signed up, so I do take responsibility, obviously, for not for not you know hitting that window. So I missed that window. The whole tournament fills up. Me and like 15 of our tour called holders didn't sign up, you know, and so we're obviously frustrated with that. We reached out to the TDs, you know, people are, are a little bit frustrated. Why they, would you reach out to the titties? Uh, always reach out to the titties. What are you talking okay, about? All right, all right, all right. No, the uh, tournament, tournament direct off. Oh, oh, the TDs. Sorry, TDs, my bad. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, my bad. Hey, you hear what you want here. I can't blame yes, you. Yes, yes. Um, but uh, so we ended up, they ended up, having a qualifying event on the Monday before the tournament for eight spots. So there's like 25 guys playing for eight spots. I did, did not have my best that day. Tournament, did they create that tournament specifically because so many people had missed it or was that tournament already in, in existence? No, no. It was just like, yeah, that, that qualifying event was just because so many people missed signups. Well, I think, I think what happened is the PDJ kind of realized that they also messed up and didn't do a good enough job at letting people know. So then like, well, we got to do something to let, some of these people in just to kind of, you know, help with the PR side of it. So yeah, just didn't have my best day. So I had, I had opportunities to qualify for the event, even after missing signups, which was nice for the PGA to allow. And uh, just didn't, didn't have my best day. Now uh, sometimes like, Oh, you told me about that. I think you text me. Yeah. You said, Oh yeah. He we wasn't the only, I mean, your he back. Wasn't Sorry, the only top, top player that didn't, that wasn't right. present in that tournament. And that the qualifying tournament he's talking about, if you go look at the, like the, the leaderboard, like there's a lot of good and well-recognized players playing in that. Oh, so sure. even, um, but like none of it was like, you finished second at Las Vegas challenge. Like that wasn't good enough to like get you a spot in. No, that was not one of the, uh, that was not one of the ways to qualify. That qualified me for the European open and the USDGC though. It was nice. Well, hopefully yeah. they'll clean that up next year because I mean, especially at the majors, it feels like, uh, it should be a, a very low barrier of entry for the tour players to get in. Right. Yeah. I, I think they will. I think they got some, some, some negative feedback. You know I mean? Like there was, there was some top, some of us top guys that didn't qualify. Kevin Jones didn't, didn't make it in the qualifier. Um, Andrew Mallweed. I mean, there was, there was a handful of guys that people expect to see when they go out and spectate and they didn't get to because of that. Um, that that's almost all year you play. If you're playing 25 uh, tournaments. Yeah, it's about nine, nine, ten months. What do you do during the week? Is it, do you play every? Do you play frisbee every day? Do you throw the frisbee every day? Almost every day, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so like a do typical. You throw, a do typical... you ever throw a disc craft? Do you ever throw ultimate frisbee disc anymore? Ever? No, no, no. That, um, would that be bad? Is that bad? That would you? You would have it would kind of recalibrate your arm and your brain. You don't want to do that. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, some of the some of the people on tour will kind of play catch in the parking lot with a with a frisbee, so it's probably not super detrimental. But it is a little bit different throw, so I'm not. I don't know. I would be down to like play an ultimate frisbee game. I think it'd be fun. Um, I don't think it'd be too detrimental, but um, Brody does actually play with like a, a little like shrunken version of an ultimate disc, which is like kind of halfway between an ultimate disc and a disc golf disc. So he'll he'll, he'll bust that out sometimes in, in woods. Fall. Who makes that? Discraft as well. Oh, One of the, it's like it's like it's a super old old disc, um, but it yeah. has you know it has a different flight, just a little bit straight because it's the way it's shaped and stuff. Do you have to? Can you? Do you have to play with um um those discs, the the frisbee uh, frisbee disc golf discs, or could you play with just a regular disc? I think an ultimate frisbee disc is PDGA approved, so it has it to is. be as long as it's yeah, as long as it's PDGA approved, it it counts. Um, uh, uh, the ultimate disc I think was was approved a long time ago, uh, before the discs changed, you know, vastly. Uh huh. So I think it's kind of grandfathered in. So I'm not sure if like a whammo would be PDJ approved, but this is a, something I was going to ask you about a, a while ago when we were talking about drugs. <laughs> what like I, are there? What are the limitations on the number of discs and the kind of discs that you can use in a mm. PDGA event? Like another guy following you with like three bags, yeah. Like, like a yeah. Those no, I don't think those any type of um, amount that is limited. So I think if you wanted to have five bags on your back and carry you know a hundred discs, you probably could. Um, the disc has requirements. You know the 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 shape of the rim has to be a certain way, and it can't be too too fast or too shallow, or the the flight plate has to be you know specific. So it's all those requirements that that make up the disc. But as far as how many you can actually take, that's not that's not part of the game. <laughs> is there is there are there is there is there are there is there is there too many discs you could bring on to where it becomes like a headache? Do you ever like fuck? I shouldn't have brought this many. I'm I'm overthinking everything now. I should have just stuck to. That might be. I mean, yeah, that that definitely could be a thing. I I definitely carried more discs last season. Um, it is an interesting one because you know there are some players that carry quite a bit less discs and some that carry quite a bit more and so those kind of benefits to both you know you can if you carry more discs you can kind of just stick to one angle and let the disc change the flight or if you carry less discs you can just kind of trust one disc and know exactly how that flies and then manipulate it with your throw so kind of depending on how you like to attack the game and kind of curate your bag to that it seems like it would become an obsessive compulsive issue. I mean, that that video of you when you lift up the when you're in the RV, you're in the Discraft RV, and you open the 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 trunk. It, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, there's over a hundred discs in there. Yeah, it looks like a disc in, store. I have a hundred discs in my trunk alone, and that's like you know. But you too, Brian. You have a hundred discs in your trunk. Mm -hmm. Hey man, we get addicted. We we get addicted quick. They just pile up. But I, I've been giving them away recently. Like I was, I was uh, playing a local course the other day, and there was just some young kids playing, and they're like, "Hey, can we throw a disc?" And I let them throw it, and then these they ended up being in the parking lot with me after the round, and so I just gave them each a putter and a driver that I'd like found over the years. Nice. Um, any any crazy stories you have where like like you're well? For, let me ask: Is there is there weed wafting through the air the entire time? The no, like, I like, mean. No? Um, come on, come on. Have you ever played? Have you ever played uh, uh, nine holes and not and not smelt weed? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, on wow. the uh, on the on the pro on the pro tour, it's not it's not it's not that uh, 
it's not like super common, you know, maybe if you go to the parking lot after the round, some people will be partaking, so you'll, you'll get some you'll get some of those wafts. Um, yeah, I is definitely, it frowned definitely upon? Is it frowned upon? On the local level. Is it frowned upon or is it okay? Like just I, I think it, I don't think it's it's super frowned upon. As long as it's not in the actual event, it's not, you know, it's not really a problem. Yeah, you can't go anywhere in California. Um Hey, did you see any zombies when you were in Portland? Was Portland scary? Portland's going down. Portland, Portland was great. I don't know. I, I talked to my brother before, and he's like, "Yeah, you have to tell me how Portland is. Like, it's supposed to be really bad." And uh, it was fine. I didn't see. I did not see any zombies. Yeah, absent of the apocalypse. Absent of whatever is actually happening in Portland, that course looks amazing. Dude, it is. Glendale's what? I, I, I liked both courses, and then obviously just the fact that it's on such of like a well-maintained golf course, and you have these massive trees. And the grass is cut, and you have Mount Hood in the background. It's yeah, it's it's one of the most um, aesthetically pleasing I would say you liked the East Course five times better because you had five times fewer bogeys on it. That yeah, that definitely helped. I definitely <laughs> scored better on the East Course, so I I liked it better this weekend. I knew we were doing this this podcast with you. I just got back from Germany for a CrossFit competition, so I was like trying to keep up with the Portland Open over uh, in like the nights and stuff. And I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think, I don't know if it was Proctor or Corey, but someone made a putt on 18 that prevented you being on Joma's coverage for the last round or lead card for the last round. Like it was super close. Happened? It was wow. super close. I think you were on the, like you were on the border. I think you missed by one spot. And I was like, really hoping <laughs> when I saw you making the charge, I was like, man, I hope he gets on lead coverage. That'd be so cool if that happened right before we played. I mean, it's really difficult yeah. to get on the lead card in any tournament these days. Right. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't paying a ton, a ton of attention, but that definitely could have been the case. I know Alden, Alden Harris was a spot above me on Chase Card, so he would have been the first to bump up. But maybe there was two guys that, that needed to miss a putt or something. No, that's, I think the top three were pulling away. I think it was I think it was okay. whatever Proctor did on the last hole. Gotcha. For months leading into the Portland tournament, uh, Jomez would have these commercials, or someone would put the commercials on Jomez and be like, we love Portland. He would whisper that. And I would always whisper back to the TV, no, you don't. No one does. <laughs> but you were in a good spot. You were in a good spot. You're, you, you wait, wait what they whisper? They whisper? The, you love Portland. We oh, love Portland. You know what I mean? Like it would be a commercial. It'd be like, it, for some reason, they were really hyping that tournament for months. Yeah, like, that, was the, the uh, that was the false elite plus event. So we've got majors. We've got elite events. We've got silver events, Sinatra Blow. And uh, this is the false year having a, Kind of a, a tournament between elite and major. So just uh, for the perspective, a normal PDGA tournament, the winner gets a hundred points, yep. and the silver series is half the points, so you get yep. fifty. And a major is it two hundred if you win? A major is one hundred fifty. So a major is the same oh. actually as the as the elite plus. But I think the approach all kind of wanted to really boost these elite plus events. And how many of um, make you know how many special. there will be this year? Just two. Portland and which one other one? Ledgestone in uh, Illinois. I live in Illinois. Maybe I should come for that tournament. There you go. Thanks and Hopper. Sevon seems lost in this conversation. I feel like he's just waiting to make a joke. Uh, listen, Thaysen, that's because you just came back from Rich Froning's podcast and there's a dollop of semen clogging your ears and eyes. <laughs> Ezra, what do you um, do you do you ever use caddies in your tournaments? Not this, uh, not this season. I, ha I actually, let's see, my dad was at, my parents were at the uh, tournament in Waco, and I had a really bad false round. So then I was like, if you want a caddy, dad, you can come caddy for me for the last two rounds. And I actually played battle for those two rounds. So maybe I should go back to a caddy. 
last season I had my, my brother Judah Caddy all all throughout the year. Um, and then this year I've been going, I've just been going solo for most of it. I mean, even in the tournaments, even in tournaments I play in, if I have someone available to caddy, I'll usually let them do it. It's not like, I don't feel stressed by carrying the bag around. And obviously, you know, we, we spend some time in the gym. So physically it should, shouldn't be an issue, but, but for me, it's sometimes just to have a sounding board, just to be like, should I run this or is it, or is it, you know, I can't imagine you liking a caddy, Brian. Well, Scott Polanski's, he's, you just got to find the right person. I think if you find the right person, it can be really helpful. But when I observe and watch yeah. disc golf, like I, I'll just use Paul McBeth as an example. It seems like he hardly ever uses a caddy, but then at the biggest tournaments, he has one. So I, I'm always curious how players decide to make that decision. Yeah, like I know he has the same guy at European Open caddy form that he's had for like the last decade. Um, so I, it's it's the, the caddy thing is very specific on the person, I think. And that's maybe partly why I haven't been using it this season is just because I don't necessarily want to just have somebody that I don't know on the bag just because I'm not sure how the dynamic will work. I don't know how they're going to be and act and stuff. So I don't really want the the added stress from that um, side of it. I mean, I think there are some benefits. I think obviously, you know, not having to carry the bag is probably a benefit on the endurance side of it and the physicality side. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think too, for me, like just being alone with my thoughts is sometimes better than having somebody to, to talk to. Like I'm not, I'm not a player that needs to talk throughout the whole round. You know, I'm kind of fine just keeping to myself. Yeah, I, th- I think I feel the same. But, you know, there's and there's just some a few moments. So it's ha- it's having someone that's like, hey, let me be. If I need something, I'll let you know. And then in you those one or two moments where it comes up that I can just ask that question and get like an affirmation from someone that I know has my best interest in mind. Yeah, it, it, you should. When you were in Portland, um, Ezra, and, and I'm judging you for this, uh, you should have hired a stripper to be your caddy in order to help the economy and give them opportunities outside of her uh, traditional field. Of his work. or her, his or her. Oh, sorry. Either one, <laughs> either one. It was very, very. Inclusive. That would have been, I mean, that would have been news all these for sure. That would have been buzzy in this golf. I just, hey. I'm sorry. I, I watched the last dance with magic Mike on the plane. So, you know, male strippers exist too. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you keeping the show inclusive. Hey, Ezra, what's the, what's the protocol for like doing podcasts in media and like with with the dudes on the tour, like like do do they do them? Do you do them midweek? Do they do some guys do no media? Like, is it hard getting the guys to come on the show? Like, do podcasts? Um, like, what's their what's the what's the deal? Like, why are you doing a podcast? Why did you do this? Um, just bored. Yeah, I don't know. I guess um, it's not super uncommon for people to do podcasts. You know, Brody Smith and uh, Paul Ulibarri. Both play almost every event, and then they've also got one of the most popular podcasts um, in disc golf that they actually produce. Um, that, they least, started you know, doing that. It's called the Tour Life, and they started doing it this pod- year, yeah, right? Tour Life podcast. Yep. And so they get, I mean, they get guests on every single week that that play pretty much. So it's not, I don't know, it's not super uncommon for people to go do podcasts or do media. Um, I think disc golf's also at a point where it's it's beneficial kind of for everybody to partake in a lot of that stuff. All right. well, we, try, we we are you were amongst the, the guys that we were most hoping to get because of some of your lifestyle things that just are you know aligned with w- what we often do but we so, we have reached out to a lot of people and been turned down so well, not even turn not turned down just no just that maybe they just don't check their dms they're not like hey eat a dick they're just but yeah i mean that's that part of it too is like a lot of times the dm will just go into the um requests and so people won't see stuff but Thanks for having me on. I, I, I mean, I appreciate it. Dude, well, you the man. I, I, I'm, 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 I was an instant fan when I saw you. Um, 
uh, you have lots of things to judge you about, and I love judging people. And uh, you're cool as shit, dude. Thank yeah, you. thanks. Thanks for coming on. Uh, anytime, uh, if there's anything you can do, we can do for you. Uh, you want to promote anything? Um, but either way, we'll be watching from afar, and then um, and then we'll be bugging you to have you on again. You're an awesome guest. Um, we well, made a Mr. Ezra. I, I bothered Stefan enough about it that he made a commitment to do a a, re, a review show for each of the PDGA events and the majors this year. So we'll be nice. following. We'll be trying to promote you guys in our space. And I do. I would like to get out to a tournament eventually. I've still yet to go to a disc golf pro tour event, but if I go out, maybe I'll let you know and we could yeah. grab a waffle Sweet. or something. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. How often do you guys uh, get out and play? Me, none. Uh, okay. I play like I probably play three, four times a week. Oh wow, nice. Thank you. The, you know, you know what's crazy? My neighbor. I live out. I live out in the country, and my neighbor has a. Uh, five acres right across the street from my house. I could play from my front door and he has two, two baskets out there. Right. And so we went out there and we were playing, I hadn't played in years and we went out there and started playing every day for like two weeks. And then he put a lock on his gate. Oh, <laughs> that, that was the end of my, my Frisbee golf career. Well, <laughs> he also lives like probably a few miles from Dela, So he could go play. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a special place for sure. Nice. All right, brother. Thank you. Um, uh, I'd like to stay in touch. Thanks for, uh, I guess, thanks for sharing your phone number. I'll try to use it sparingly, wisely. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, brother. Have a good one. Ezra Aderhold. That was cool. For me, that was very cool. Dude, that was went a thousand times better than I ever imagined. That's because you had me here. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> God. Well, you can, I mean, I think it was a good balance between who he is and, and how he got to be in this position and then able to, you know, obviously I, I, I can talk to him a little bit about the, the disc golf stuff that's current and relevant for him. So I think, that's Oh, that's, he good. plays disc golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know all your, th- all you see over there is a, a body and a, and a, and a story. So a body and a homeless guy. Um, uh, Sevon is scared to leave his house per Hiller. Scared's not the right word, but. But, but you're close, but it's not scared. Uh, geez, Louise, good job, Sevon. That was good. Uh, Robbie Myers, thanks, Ezra. Yeah, that dude's cool. He was cool. There were, you know, he's very he, cool. he rolled with it with some of your shenanigans. He embraced that. Yeah. Uh, very cool guy. Uh, that was cool. All right, Zach Jones. Uh, um, uh, Eaton Beaver, watch it, Brian. Confident, not cocky. I wonder, I hope that he'll mention to some of the guys and maybe, uh, maybe we can get another another player on here sometime uh i oh yeah yeah I, i'll start bugging more uh sleeky i enjoyed that oh good sleeky said that uh made the observation that uh Aderhold had nice hands mm-hmm. all right um what are you doing the rest of the day other th- a lot of things i'm behind on from traveling for three straight weeks the really you're behind because your shits it, it seems like you're publishing regularly on the on the um on the befriendlyfitness.com and and your youtube page is up and going Congratulations does most on of your... the stuff on the back end oh, okay. um, and when i say i'm behind i'm not behind on any of the the crossfit stuff it's just like uh, life stuff that i um and then it's just some other projects that you know things i've been filtering in about that i would usually keep up to date with on a more regular basis that I just kind of put on hold for this month. You know, it was, I was home for, I think a total of 50 hours over those three weeks. So Holy shit. 
just I enough time to, to, to do laundry and sleep and and pack again. Um, are you gonna? Uh, uh, so you basically, but the, your primary thing is to get back to publishing. You want to you want to be publishing at a regular cadence. Uh, yes, yeah, but I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to figure out, quite frankly. Um, do we have any more shows scheduled, you and I? Portland Open tomorrow night. Oh, we do? Is that tomorrow night? That's what I have. Let me see what's going on. Wednesday the 7th. I have it at 8.30 p.m. Central Time. Oh, yeah. Wow. Holy cow. Okay. We're about halfway through the season, so we got to, you know, we got to keep doing it, I think. We made a commitment. On behalf of the Sevon Podcast and Be Friendly Fitness, we would like to apologize for our three-week lull in um, PDGA coverage. No, we didn't miss anything actually. Oh, it, okay. The timing worked out really well. Where they had there were two Silver Series events in this in during that period, and then Portland Open was the last week. So we actually haven't missed on anything that we said we would. There's another Silver Series event this weekend, and then they have a tournament the weekend after that. Uh, can we talk about Brian's voice change on his Be Friendly IG post? What does that mean? I, I, I don't know. Well, that, that your, I think your response was, um, you know, I had Michelle Bassnet, Bassnet on here. Yeah, three hours, three and a half hours or something. I no, saw. no, 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 two hours. Oh, oh, that is true. That that's There may have been of, another part of it. She might not have been on for all three hours. Yeah, but she was so. on for two is it where is it Jethro? Is it on his be friendly or is it on Brian Friend? His voice change. What is he talking about? My voice change. Uh, can we talk about Brian's voice change on the be friendly IG posts? I don't see any uh, posts where you're talking. Uh, there's like a cover image on most of them, so you don't see necessarily me. I don't know how if I like that or not. The cover image. Yeah, because then you know, then you you don't. Know well, what I would it is. see it had a little play button, even if it had a cover image, right? So click on that. Let's see what it is. Oh, okay. And oh, then it immediately goes to me. Semifinals for the 2023 season. Individuals had the stage all to themselves today. The women started things off and closed out their competition first. Massive at congratulations most, to at, at most, Magawa. I don't know if I would say that there's a voice change. Maybe it's loud and you're talking loud. So. Is it, the interesting thing about these is I did it with a different guy every week because we had different people on the ground. So like I did this with Patty Orr and we, and it was, you know, we had to find a spot. Yeah. There were some things going on. I didn't know. I didn't know like how much of my body would be visible or not. It was different every, every week. The, the mics. Day two for the teams in Berlin. Day one for the individuals. We'll start with oh yeah. Your voice is deeper here. I wouldn't have noticed that though. The teams. Mm -hmm. And it was no shortcuts making a big move today. Third place on both of the tests. Ele Did someone oh, wow. tell you? Do you hear oh. your voice different? No, I was just uh, maybe because like here I've done it so many times and I know what it sounds like. And there he was kind of far away from me. And, the, and then I'm not used to doing it with a mic on my shirt like that. So maybe I was just projecting more. Um, what's going on with you? Are, are you wearing um, uh, tights underneath a pair of noble shorts? That's how I dress my kids. No, I think I just have things in my pocket on the left side that are like making them project. Oh. That's just an, a pair of noble pants. I wore them ev like pretty much every single day for three weeks, or at least on the days of competition. Because it's cold inside the venues. And actually, overall, considering 
the relative warmth of the cities that we were in, Orlando, Los Angeles, and Berlin in the summer, you would, that you would expect it wasn't, it wasn't that warm at any of those places. I think the entire time I was in California, there was like three hours of sun. Damn. That yeah, we walked outside. I walked outside with Tommy on like Saturday afternoon in between events and there was sun out and I was like, Oh, you guys actually do have sun in California. And he kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, man, it's been a pretty shitty week. Cocaine changes sun. my voice, sports voice, powerful voice. Uh, he also put in a giant hands filter. Oh, those aren't your real hands. <laughs> I think whatever that lens is that he's using that, uh, if you just like extend forward, it really dra- dramatizes it. Zach um, Jones. I love the branding. Oh, are we concerned about Justin Medeiros in in the uh, at the CrossFit Games this year? No, I think Tommy actually hand, handled that really well on the recap we did for Talking Elite Fitness. He basically said, he said it know, was a nothing burger. No, he didn't say that. He said, you know, this is seven seven events. It's about half as many as we're used to seeing. And he, you know, if you just look at his pedic- Tommy pulled a stat that said he's never finished lower than tenth mm-hmm. on any workouts on the on a weekend at the CrossFit Games. So he's usually getting better as the weekend goes on. And even though he's relatively close to the top throughout, he kind of makes his move and accelerates into the you know, top position later in the weekend. And he actually did that in the semifinals too. He had his best day on his last day. And that was actually true of quite a few uh, veteran athletes where they had their best day on their last day at semifinals. And I think that to, to, to Tommy's point, you know, if that, if those, that competition, even against those guys had continued over the next, Another seven tests that he might have closed the gap. But, I mean, we cannot ignore how good Vellner and, you know, Vellner in particular, but also Fikowski looked during that competition. Um, are, are, are you going to pick Vellner to win the games? I haven't actually thought too much about the games. Oh, that's already a problem right yet. there because it used to be no. Justin until someone beats him. And now he didn't it's... even let me finish. Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, but, I still, I still think that he's the. I still think Justin's the favorite at the games. That you know, okay. uh, now that he has been beat, I'm off the hook on that one. Right. I thought when right? you said no, I thought when you said until he's beat, you were referencing beat at the games. And no, at any competition. So, for example, mm-hmm. if he'd lost at Rogue last year, that would have I would have considered that being beaten. Semifinals <laughs> is not the games. So you know, and and I and I do think Tommy's point is very valid, which is why it's the first thing that I brought up. And I still think that the consistency he's displayed across all events and all competitions over the last two years is, is extremely impressive, but I will, you know, and, and the reason why I haven't given too much thought um, necessarily to the games yet is I just wanted to let all of the semifinals play out. Um, you know, there just to see there's, you know, I, especially being there live, I feel like there are some things that I learn, whether it's in conversation with coaches or athletes or, you know, and obviously live, I can see all 10 lanes the entire time. And I know that on the broadcast, you can't see that. So there's different things that I can pick up on for certain athletes and certain tests that are critical. You know, I'm, I'm not looking to learn a ton about Pat Vellner. I know a lot about Pat Vellner, but there's very specific things that if he were going to win the CrossFit games that I would be on the lookout for in a semifinal that I can kind of hone in on with regard to him specifically or Brent or Justin or Sam Quant or any of these guys that I think are, towards the top where the margins are really small. Someone um, uh, sent me a text and it says, uh, Sarah Sigmund's daughter is Dunzo. 
<clears throat> oh, well, I mean, people are obviously talking about that. I believe that Andrew made a video about that. I haven't had a chance to watch it at all, but. Dunzo. You think she's Dunzo? I don't, I don't know what that means. I mean, Dunzo meaning she's never going to have a chance to win the CrossFit Games again. Dunzo, no, no, she's never going to have a chance it. to she's... make the CrossFit yeah, Games yeah, again. Yeah. Or Dunzo, yeah, yeah. she's that's never how... going to compete in the sport in any capacity again. Uh, uh, that she's never going to make the CrossFit Games again. I mean, she's missed it by what? basically one movement this year and one spot last year. Like, I don't think, I think it's a little bit naive to say she never has a chance to make the games again. Um, and I'm, you know, in, in her case in particular, I think there are some things going on that most people are not aware of. And I don't want to make any excuses for her, but I don't think it's impossible that she makes the games again. And she switched to Kotler. Yeah. That, I mean, that was a few months ago. Yeah. That, but that's uh, that's interesting also, right? From, I mean, she was at a she was at a powerhouse uh, training camp, training think tank. I mean, it, I, I guess um, I don't you know I don't know how to quantify necessarily what's going on at the training camps. I think that you know very you know it doesn't take a lot of uh, observation necessarily to realize that you know Sarah's made a lot of coaching changes over the years, and, and she likes it, and she thinks it's beneficial for her. She likes change, right? She likes travel, and she likes change, and she likes competition. True on all counts. Yeah. I didn't mean it in, in any uh, derogatory sense. No, and I think that, you know, people often apply apply a perspective to something like that as a generality. And it's like, it doesn't, it may not work for everyone, but it doesn't mean that it can't work for someone. Uh, Thaysen Hopper. He's uh, back. This is just a stepping stone. She will come back stronger than ever. Many athletes fall off and miss the games and go back to train harder. I believe in her. Oh, well, what about I mean, I what? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you you go ahead. Uh, what about Katrin David's daughter? Okay, well, I'm crazy impressed. I mean, let's 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 just see. So, Th to Thaisen's point, I mean, yeah. Sarah's not going to be at the games this year. She wasn't at the games last year. She wasn't mm -hmm. at the games the year before that. The year before that was an online game. She finished 21st, so we didn't get to see her live. The year before that was 2019. She finished went 20th or 19th, so she was cut after five or six events. And then 2018, she withdrew. We haven't actually seen Sarah complete a CrossFit Games since 2017. Mm, wow. That's a really long time. I, I used to work for CrossFit back then. It's, yeah. If you want to parallel it with Katrin David's daughter, that's fine. And actually a great, I think, great to do. She missed the Games just like Sarah did by one spot last year. But the year before that was 10th. The year before that was 2nd, 4th, 3rd, and 5th. And then we get to 2017. So in that same time period, Katrin's had two podiums, four top tens, and missed the games once. Sarah's had no – she hasn't even finished the games a single time. So it's a little bit different. Um, what about uh, uh, Brooke? Brooke um, are you impressed with Kat, what Katrin did before I switch move? I'm pretty impressed. I was impressed. I, 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 did, I did think there was a good chance for her to make the games. I think I picked her in the last spot in because I just wasn't sure, you know. Um, but she was impressive to me. Even if I, you told me, no, she's going to make it, I wouldn't have thought she would, she would finish second and have a chance to win it. Uh, and I do think that my, my like early thoughts about her at the games is that she's a, she has a chance to make the top 10 again, um, based on what I saw and the, and just how many women are missing from the field this year. And the fact that, you know, there's certain athletes that are better at the games than they are otherwise. And we just would kind of reference that with Justin, but in the case of Katrin too, I think that game suits her pretty well um and she's and she's in a good place in her life and i think that 
that that's probably the thing that I've learned the most over the last two years dealing with athletes in a more personal level is being in, settled in your life actually is a huge, huge element of doing well in this sport. Like Ezra, settled in the Prius. Uh, Jan Clark, Sevon has been at the games more recently than Sarah. That's a tough stat. Well, That's... it's not a true stat, but okay. uh, well, I guess I don't know. When was the last time you were at the games? 2019? 2018? 2019? You weren't there in the uh, the international year with every. Oh, the yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. So she was there too. And in 2020, when it was at the ranch, were you there? No. And she would, she didn't make it to the game. She did the online version. So I think I was fired by that point. I think so too. Um, okay. That was my inner voice. Um, getting out a little bit. So much to talk about. We should just do a show just where, I, um, just a show with no title where we just talk about some shit. Mm-hmm. When do you want to do that? I don't know. I'll have Susan contact you. There's certain topics I'm not that interested in talking about, as you know, but. You'll talk about anything CrossFit related. That's likely, likely true, but. Depending on the topic, I may disappoint you. You don't disappoint. Even when you disappoint me, I'm excited. I get excited that I touched on something that disappointed you. I'm easily, I'm easily made. Oh, happy. you're not disappointing me. It's just that I'm, you know, I'm very much interested in, in trying to make this sport great. And, you know, to do that, you know, there's some things that uh, I just probably want to talk about publicly. Thank you, everyone, and bye-bye.